He sent me to give the good news to the poor, tell prisoners that they are prisoners no more, tell blind people that they can see, and set the downtrodden free, and go tell everyone the news that the kingdom of God has come, and go tell everyone the news that God's kingdom has come. Luke chooses very deliberately to put the passage we've just heard at this point in his gospel, in his good news, in his account of Jesus' life. Mark and Matthew's gospels put a shorter version of it later on, attributing Jesus' failure to do many miracles in Nazareth to the people's lack of faith. In his own town, he's a prophet without honour. But what picture of Christ does Luke want to paint for us? What on earth is Jesus doing? I mean, what is Jesus doing on earth? Who is this man? We talked earlier of superheroes. Well, who is this man, Jesus? So far, Luke's told us of the angel Gabriel coming down twice, once to foretell the birth of John the Baptist and then to foretell the birth of Jesus himself. Then he's told us of the pregnant Mary visiting her pregnant cousin Elizabeth with the babies inside them and the conversation between the two mums-to-be and the fetus John leaping for joy at Mary's greeting to Elizabeth. Then Luke gives us Mary's magnificent Magnificat, her joyful song of praise. In it, the proud are scattered, the rulers are brought down, the humble are raised up, the hungry are fed, and the rich are sent away empty. God's mighty deeds and mercy and help to his people Israel are proclaimed. Then we have John's birth with Zechariah, his father's prophetic praise. Zechariah says, God's come to redeem his people, the superhero. He's raised a horn of salvation in David's house to show mercy, to remember his covenant to Abraham, their ancestors, to rescue his people and enable them to serve him without fear and in holiness and righteousness. Then Luke tells us of Jesus' birth with a choir of angels, glory to God and peace on earth. Bethlehem sings, or is it Walderslade sings, something like that. And then the visiting lowly shepherds. And then Jesus is presented in the temple and Simeon's there, an old man who's been waiting so patiently for God's salvation. And he takes that baby boy and he holds him in his arms and he knows this is the child Jesus he's been waiting for and then the elderly Anna who's also there been there many years thanks God and speaks about Jesus to all looking forward to the redemption he'll bring 
Then we have Jesus at age 12, back in the temple, already amazing the teachers with his understanding, his responses. I'm not sure how old the pathfinders were who read this morning, but Jesus at age 12 was some amazing person. Then we have John the Baptist, as predicted in his father, Zechariah's song, preparing the way for Jesus, the Lord, with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then Luke gives us Jesus' own baptism. The Holy Spirit descends on him and God declares to him, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Then we get Jesus' genealogy, son of Joseph, and his ancestry traced all the way back to Adam. I don't know if any of you have done your family trees, but this is Jesus's, all the way back to Adam, who is also called the son of God, but with a small s. And then we have last Sunday's passage. I don't know who of you were here last week to hear Jean preaching about Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he resists the devil's tempting. He won't satisfy his own needs to prove his power. He won't take the easy road to splendor and authority by worshipping the devil and avoiding the cross. He will stand firm and he won't prove he's the son of God by doing spectacular things that get him in danger and expecting God to dive in and rescue him. He's not that sort of superhero. What on earth is Jesus doing? Who is this man? What picture is Luke trying to paint? And so we get to today's passage, strategically placed here by Luke at the launch of Jesus' ministry. Jesus returns to Galilee, we're told, in the power of the Spirit. He is the Son of God, but in his humanity, he needs the Spirit's anointing to enable him to do the Father's will, to carry out God's work, to fulfill God's purposes. News about him spreads through the whole countryside. A fame of him, yes, he's more famous than Batman or Superman or Action Man. A fame of him spreads, and he teaches in the synagogue, and all praise him. He's glorified, he's admired, he's honoured by all. And then he goes to Nazareth, where he was brought up. He's been known there since he was a boy. And now again, he joins their weekly worship at the synagogue he knows so well. The law is read, and they reach the reading from the prophets. Anyone of sufficient learning can be asked to read and to give a talk on the scriptures. Jesus, a humble carpenter's son, has either clearly proved himself capable enough in the past or his recent fame means they want to hear this local, their own, who's causing such a stir across the region. So they give him the scroll of Isaiah and he unrolls it And he chooses a passage, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, written 700 or so years 
previously. And he reads it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom, pardon for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed, the burdened and battered, the message says, free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. It's God's year to act, says the message, the acceptable year of the Lord, the year when people become acceptable to God. And then, while everyone gazes at him intently, attentively, wondering why has he chosen this passage, Jesus begins his sermon by saying, Today, this scripture's fulfilled in your hearing. It's come true right now in this place. Mark Roberts says, in effect, Jesus says, I am the one appointed by the Holy Spirit to fulfill this prophecy of Isaiah. I am the long-expected Redeemer of Israel, the servant of God who will bear the sin of humanity. I have come to complete God's mission of reconciliation. The Jews did apply this passage in Isaiah to the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus says, I am the long-awaited Messiah. In me, God's time of salvation has come, the day when God's reign breaks in on earth in concrete ways. And Luke's gospel goes on from this point to describe in detail Jesus fulfilling this prophecy. Jesus uses it, as it were, as a plumb line for his life, as the bottom line of the gospel, as his core values, as his manifesto. God's heart expressed in Jesus' ministry does, as his mum said in her song of joy before his birth, focus on the poor. The good news is for them. 19 out of the 31 healings of Jesus described in the four Gospels, over 60% are healings of despised, looked down on people, beggars and social outcasts. Jesus has come and is indeed freeing the prisoners, setting free all who will receive God's forgiveness and new life, setting them free from the terrible bondages of sin. All we do that's wrong and all we don't do that's right. All those regrets. Setting us free from guilt. The awfulness we feel when we know we've hurt others by our thoughts and our words and our actions. Setting us free from addictions of all kinds. Inability to change ourselves, our negative actions, our destructive habits and thought patterns. We cannot change in our own strength. He gives the blind their sight, physically and spiritually. He releases the oppressed. It's like a year of jubilee. The 50th year was a year of rest, and lands were given back. 
to people who'd lost them so they could earn their own living again. They were returned to their own families so people could escape the cycle of poverty and failure. Debts were forgiven, slaves were released, society was transformed, people were all restored to equality. Jesus is one perfect, acceptable sacrifice, helps all begin completely new lives. God sent Jesus to give the good news to the poor. Tell prisoners that they were prisoners no more. Tell blind people that they can see. And set the downtrodden free. And go tell everyone the news that the kingdom of God has come. And go tell everyone the news that God's kingdom has come. Yes, Jesus is proclaiming and embodying God's kingdom on earth through his deeds of love and grace, his miracles, his teaching, and finally, his death and resurrection. Well, back in Nazareth, so far, so good, all's great. Jesus is being admired. All are amazed at his gracious words coming from his lips. At this, the son of Joseph that they'd all watched growing up. They could proudly own this fellow Nazarene. They were excited at his proclamation of God's favour. Their great nation would surely be blessed again, a national superhero. It's all good until Jesus goes on to say, surely you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, doctor, heal yourself. He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. Heal your own people here in Nazareth like you've been healing those in Capernaum. Charity begins at home. God's charity begins wherever there is need and faith to receive. Jesus continues to emphasise no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And he gives examples from the very scriptures they place so much stock on. From the very history they, the Jews, God's people of Israel, are so proud of. Yes, in a drought, Elijah, one of their greatest prophets, went and got fed by a Sidonian woman. Whoa, a foreign race they were enemies with. What was wrong with a respectable Israelite to feed him? And then Elisha, Elijah's great successor, double portion of God's spirit, heals Naaman, the commander of the enemy army, the Syrians, cures him of leprosy. Why doesn't he cure one of the lepers in Israel? Women. Gentiles, foreigners, those deemed outside of God's reach are now welcomed in. God is always reaching out beyond the boundaries of Israel. It was always his plan to use his people, then Israel and now his body, the church, to take the gospel out, not to keep it for themselves. So... We get the reaction 
of these Jews. They don't see it. They're too set in their insular, spoilt, proud, cosy ways. They consider themselves above the nations around them. They don't think these outsiders are worthy of God's love and healing. They're unsuitable sinners. God surely wouldn't want them in his kingdom. They haven't understood God's great, inclusive heart of love for all people. No matter what they've done in their past, if people turn to him, he brings forgiveness and a new start. The Nazarenes are furious in their belief that Jesus' words are contra God's plans. And they drive Jesus out and they try and throw him down a cliff. But Jesus truly is the Son of God and nothing can stop him fulfilling his father's plan. Nothing can stop his ministry. He walks right through the crowd and he goes on his way. Eventually he will be sacrificed to bring life to all, crucified on the cross and raised back to life to complete the fulfilment of the Isaiah prophecies. This is Luke's first book, his gospel. At the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, he says that this gospel tells of all Jesus began to do and teach on earth. Acts is its sequel. It's part two. Jesus has returned to heaven, but his work on earth continues through the disciples. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. He breathed the Holy Spirit on them and he said, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. In chapter 1 of Acts, Jesus says, God will send his Holy Spirit and anoint you in power to become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He sends a vision to convert Paul. So he's transformed from a persecutor and destroyer of Christians to the apostle, to the Gentiles. He sends visions to convince Peter the prejudice of the Jews against the Gentiles is wrong. The gospel and the Holy Spirit are meant for them also, not just for the Jews. So in Acts, the disciples follow Jesus' pattern, Jesus' model, and they preach in the synagogues, and they often encounter equally violent opposition, and they move on to the Gentiles. They proclaim the good news to the poor, release to the prisoners, they set the downtrodden free, they perform many miracles in the name and the power of the Holy Spirit. He sent them to give the good news to the poor. Tell prisoners that they are prisoners no more. Tell blind people that they can see. And set the downtrodden free. But actually, Jesus' mission didn't stop either with the deaths of those first disciples. Proclaimed in Isaiah, accomplished by Christ during his earthly lifetime, continued in the Acts of the Apostles through his first, uh, first apostles. The mission of God continues through the ages. So how does it continue now? Well, 
you all, I think, know the answer. The first verse of the song I've been quoting says, God's Spirit is in my heart. He has called me and set me apart. This is what I have to do. What I have to do. Jesus is now sending us his church. He'll anoint us with his spirit. He'll send us to go and send his good news out to everyone. His work on earth continues. It's meant for all in every generation. But the challenge to us might be, who might I exclude through my prejudices or my limited love? Who might I despise or look down on or think not good enough for the kingdom? Who do I think is beyond redemption? Is it the poor? Is it the rich? Is it the mentally ill? Is it the super clever? Is it the disabled? Is it the super fit? Is it the LGBT, the gays, the homosexuals, the lesbians, the transgender? Is it the divorced? Is it the foreigners? Is it that person I work with who's so awkward? Is it that family member who's so far from God? Is it that neighbour that can be so irritating? What on earth am I doing? What am I doing on earth? Oh Lord Open my eyes and my heart that I might be as compassionate as you are. Don't let me be jealous or angry or narrow-minded. Don't let me reject you. Expand my understanding of you and use me to continue your mission on earth. Fill me with your spirit that I may be willing to go to all you are sending me to to proclaim and live out your love. He sent me to give the good news to the poor, tell prisoners that they are prisoners no more, tell blind people that they can see, and set the downtrodden free, and go tell everyone the news that the kingdom of God has come. And God tell everyone the news that God's kingdom has come. Amen.